Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner. My name's Anthony Pasquale, and as always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill, located at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago, now on Grubhub, by the way, so you don't even have to go there to get the delicious food. Anyway, like I said, I'm Anthony Pasquale, and on today's edition, we've got a great episode lined up for you. And to join me on this episode, I welcome my Cubs HQ colleague, Ken Allison. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. So I think we should start kind of where this offseason started with the David Ross hire. What what was your take on that whole situation, and do you think David Ross was the right guy for the job? I think David Ross is absolutely the right guy for the job, and I guess to sum it up, I think that uh, Joe Madden had run his course with the Cubs. Um, I think he was exactly what the Cubs needed when they hired him, but I honestly believe it became a case of the tail wagging the dog. Um, I think the Cubs were not going to perform under Madden any longer, which was illustrated by their fallout, you know, before the playoffs, you know, when the season ended last year, and it was time for a change. Yeah, I agree. I think I think you put it perfectly. When the Cubs hired Madden. He was 1,000% the right guy for the job, but he just they needed a change of voice in that clubhouse, and a lot of people thought it would come from somebody completely new. However, I think bringing in Ross adds a little layer of familiarity to the team, which is good, but also he is a very new voice compared to Madden, even though he did play with him there, polar opposite people. Oh, I agree 100%. You know, there's, there's so much being made out of... Uh... You know, can Ross manage his friends, you know, Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant and Jason Hayward and some of the others. And, you know, it seemed to me that that over the course of the last few years, Joe Madden is the one that should have been questioned about managing his friends. I mean, it seemed that he was more interested in being a friend, you know, or a dad than he was being a boss. And I think when you reach that point, you know, that your effectiveness is, is over. Yeah, I think that's a good point because, I mean, even when he left, so many players were like, you know, he was like a father figure to me. He was like, you know, my, my best coach I've ever had. But at some point, you have to be able to, you know, lay the hammer down. And it kind of seemed like towards the end of his tenure, Madden struggled with that. And on the flip side, when Ross was in that dugout, Rizzo, Bryant, Bias, they all said he was the guy that did lay the hammer down for Madden. So it's almost just like giving him the keys. Yep, I agree. You know, and, and, you know, I'll be forever grateful for what Joe Madden did, you know, for the Cubs and for Chicago. My father died in 2014, just about two years before they won it all. And, you know, he never got to see that, you know, and, um, you know, my grandfather, you know, before him never got to see that, you know, and, and Joe Madden was the guy, you know, that brought, that brought the, you know, the World Series championship home to Chicago you know, for the first time in over a century, you know, how can you not, you know, always have a piece of you that embraces a man like that? You have to, you know, and I think, I think Madden's entire management um, term with Chicago was encapsulated in the picture of Willie hugging him. Yeah, I think that that's a great moment to kind of show what, not only that he meant to the Cubs, but the entire city, you know, he's the guy that was, you know, leading the ship that, got the Cubs their first championship in over 100 years. He's the guy that everybody can thank, and for that, like you said, we'll always be grateful for Joe Madden, but I think it is time to move on. I agree. And time to move on in this podcast as well. The next topic we're going to tackle is about the Cubs championship window. 
Do you think the window's open a little bit? It's definitely not wide open. I'm not that optimistic, but is it open a little bit, or do you think it's slammed shut, shut but not locked? What do you think? I think you've got about an inch until it slams against the windowsill. Okay. <laughs> Explain so that a little bit. Have, well, I, I wrote um, my end-of-the-year piece. Um, I entitled uh, Maybe Next Year. And, you know, that, that was something that, that we heard, you know, for, well, my entire lifetime, you know, we've, and we finally made it there, you know, and ever since the Cubs won the World Series in 2016, they've been on a decline. You know, they bowed out at the uh, NLCS in 17, um, you know, the wild card game at 18, and then last year they were at home, you know, watching the wild card game. Um, I think they still have a plethora of talent. I knew going into the offseason that they were already, um, despite losing so much in salary, you know, so many players that left for free agency, they were already up against the, the luxury tax, um, you know, border, you know, and this was going to be a tough winter. But when I started looking through, you know, who we had, we've still got Wilson Contreras, we've still got Anthony Rizzo, we've still got Javi Baez. Tentatively, you know, and there's an asterisk there, Chris Bryant. Um, Kyle Schwarber's come around. Um, Ian Happ came around when he came back from Iowa. I think there's still a plethora of talent on this team. Um, you know, the rotation, Lester's getting old, Hamels is gone. Um, Quintana has always been what I call quietly solid. Hugh Darvish has become a maniac. Um, Kyle Hendricks is going to be strong, you know, and, and the bullpen, you know, you've got Kyle Ryan, Brad Wick, Rowan Wick, um, and a handful of others who, you know, have the opportunity to step up and, and be what I think the Cubs want to be. And that's a younger team, um, with or without the big free agent signing with or without, um, trading for Nolan Arenado, as I've read, you know, that they'd like to do the Cubs still have a lot of talent and I think they can compete. Um, Ross is going to have a learning curve this year. There's no mistake about that. Um, they're going to take some bumps and bruises, but I think under new leadership, um, with the talent that they have, they can be a second place team without making any major, major moves. Um, if they play their cards, right. Yeah, I would agree with that a hundred percent. I think the Cubs have more talent than a lot of people think they do just because that talent underperformed most of 2019. But, I mean, even if you look back into 2018, some of these guys that, you know, we didn't see a ton out of in 2019 had fairly good 2018s and are certainly capable of performing that way again. And then also you've got a couple of guys that broke out towards the end of 2019. You know, Schwarber had 38 bombs and 90-plus RBIs. Hap looked like a completely different hitter when they brought him back. A little bit more consistency out of those two guys, plus you know the star power in, in Rizzo, Contreras, Baez, potentially Bryant, and then if Hayward can stay consistent for a whole year, that offense doesn't look as bad. Well, and then you've got to also remember you've got the emergence of Nico Horner. Uh, Roel Garcia showed a lot of promise, and then you know just all of a sudden hit hit an offensive skid that there was just no you know no coming back from. Um, but I think if you you know, if you get Horner and put him up at the major league level, which which is where I truly believe he belongs, um, you've already solved your issue at second base. Um, you know, there's there's uh, you know a ton of options if Bryant gets traded and, and they don't sign, um, you know, a big name third baseman. You know, the Cubs can always move Hobby to third. You know, Horner to short and have um, take the pick. Ian Happ, Garcia, 
even Tony Kemp plays second base. Or Bodie a little you know, bit. Bodie, yeah, I forgot all about David Bodie. He's also an option for third base. So I, I really don't think the Cubs are in quite as bad a shape as, as people make them out to be, and that's and that's you know even without you know Chris Bryant should he be traded. Yeah, and I don't remember who said this, but it almost feels like the Cubs are back to the the 2015 mantra where there's not a ton of expectations on them. They're not expected to be great, so maybe they just might be. Yeah, without that pressure, I mean, they have they have every chance in the world to shine under a new manager. David Ross has a chance to, you know, to crawl out from the perception, you know, that he's, you know, just one of Theo's puppets, and I and I really don't think he is. Agreed. Um, and he has a chance. He has a chance to make this team good again, and I, and I really think they can do it. Yeah, I agree with you there, and you know, this is something we've kind of been dancing around this whole podcast, the entire Chris Bryant situation. So before we get into it, let me first, you know, kind of lay it on the table. So back in 2015, when the Cubs brought Chris Bryant up to play, they brought him up one day after the service time deadline, meaning they did not have to pay him major league money in his rookie year and that he gets an extra year of team control on the back end of it, which would be 2022. However, Bryant filed a grievance against, I believe it's the MLBPA, to get that year back, which would make him a free agent after next season, 2020, instead of after the 2021 season going into 2022. Also, he is represented by Scott Boris, one of the toughest agents to deal with in terms of re-signing a player. He always advocates his guys to go into free agency and try to string out the most money as possible. Plus, the Cubs did approach him with an extension last offseason, we know that the number was in triple digits. That's about all we know. And we know that Bryant and Boris um, declined that offer. So that's where we stand. Um, the Cubs have engaged in some trade talks about Chris Bryant, potentially to you know, get some better prospect capital and get something back instead of just letting him walk in the next two seasons or one season, depending on how that service time grievance goes. Um, Ken, I'll hand it over to you. What's your take on the whole KB situation? Okay, first of all, Chris Bryant is never, never, never going to win this grievance. Okay, I agree. He, he, it, it, it's every article you read and every article um, you or I write. It, it all says the same thing. Bryant, it, it, the Cubs may or may not have done something sketchy, but they didn't do anything illegal. Exactly. You know, and, and Bryant, Bryant. It, his grievance, you know, trying to win his service time. First of all, the MLBPA can't award him that. Because, well, I mean, they could, the, the arbitrator can award him, you know, uh, you know, a win in his grievance. But, but you know, whoever he filed the grievance against, and I actually believe it was it was the Cubs and MLBPA, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there, that's like saying. You know, it's 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 okay to steal third base and then have somebody say, "Well, he stole third base." I, I have a problem with that. You know, it, it's in the rules. You know, and they and they danced around a fine line, but it, but it was a legal line, and it was it was an authorized line. You know, and it seems to me that that if Chris Bryant has a problem, then he ought to continue to become the spokesperson that he's becoming. You know, for for this, you know, uh, to speak out against this rule that allows teams to do this, and the Cubs aren't the only ones. 
Um, I can't remember who the player was off the top of my head, but there was a similar situation in 2015, I want to say, with the Astros. And and there was supposed to be a grievance filed, and finally the guy, um, and I'd have to look back, I wrote about it in an article, Anthony, but I, I can't recall who it was, you know, didn't, didn't ever file the grievance. Why? Because it was unwinnable. You know, the team did what the rules that, that the MLBPA, Major League Baseball, and the teams all consented to, you know, and said, this is okay, we can do this. And that's exactly what the Cubs did. Now, Theo Epstein cites, uh, you know, a plethora of injuries as to why he called Brian up when he did. And whether that's, you know, you know, dancing around, you know, trying to make a defense for, you know, for the whole thing, or whether that was legitimate, you know, only Theo knows that. But, but the Cubs did nothing wrong. You know, you know, dirty, maybe. You know, but there's dirt all over baseball. You know, and, and Bryant is fighting an argument that he can't win. And I think by, by filing that grievance, he's almost sealed his own fate in Chicago. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. I mean, the fact of the matter is, the Cubs use the rule to their advantage, and I think um, Bryant's going to lose this battle, but not the war. I think him being such a high-profile star as the spokesperson of this um, issue, when the next collective bargaining agreement is discussed, which I believe is 2021, there's no chance this rule stays. So I think no, there'll be changes. There'll be changes to the rule, and, yeah. and Chris Bryant will, will become one of the poster boys. Um, but but at what cost? You know, you wrote recently in one of your articles that um, speaking to his dad, Bryant wants to stay with the Cubs forever. I don't see that happening for a number of reasons. Number one, we all know um, what kind of money Scott Boris makes his clients. Right. Um, he did over a billion this year in contracts, and that's you know, just five guys. Done. Yeah, and he's not done yet. Those those were the big name guys like Ryu and uh, Rendon and some others. And, and there's no doubt that in two years, you know, and I'm just going to assume that that Bryant becomes an agent, a free agent in two years. That, that Bryant is going to rake, you know, thirty three million a year, thirty two million a year, thirty five million a year, you know, for for the rest of his career. And, and what is that? He's just turned twenty eight, so what? Maybe another eight or nine years. Um, he'll probably get a seven year deal for, you know, for 325, 330 plus, um, you know, and, and, and he'll get his money, you know, but, but Tom Ricketts is never going to pay that amount of money. Never. Yeah. And I think, I don't, I think he's made that pretty apparent that, um, Ricketts is not going to just funnel money into this team because Epstein has made a few questionable calls in terms of, uh, big contracts. So, I mean, that's a good point. I think, um, David Kaplan, I believe, was the one who said um, Bryant wants to stay in Chicago, but he wants some type of like apology or owning up from the front office to be like, you know, even though it was um, legal, we shouldn't have done that to you. Here's an offer to whatever, seven years, yeah, however no, that's much. Nonsense. That, that's absolute nonsense. The Cubs aren't going to apologize for what they did. Because it was you know, a lie. And, and like... Uh, yeah, and likewise, if if, if that had been, uh, let's say, turned around, and they called Brian up one day earlier, do you think Chris Bryant would have said, "Well, you know, if you guys had just waited a day, you know, I'd have to wait an extra year for free agency." So, you know, in fairness, I'm going to do that. Baloney! He's not doing that. You know, and and like I said, it, whether whether you like the rule or not, the rule is the rule. 
And if Chris Bryant, Scott Boris, or, or any other player or agent in Major League Baseball doesn't like it, the time to change that is with the next CBA. Yeah, that's 100% right. I think um, my my take on the whole situation is, though, I don't see any conceivable way, if you do trade Bryant, that you get better um, in the short term. So I would almost rather just you know, let his career play out in Chicago for the next two years, which gives the Cubs a better chance to win now. Well, I, I don't know that I agree with that statement. Um, obviously, two years of controllability versus, versus trading for a player in his walk year are, are a world different. Um, you know, the Nationals seem to be in, but the Cubs want, from what I, everything I've read, they want Victor Robles, and, and the Nationals aren't willing to budge. Um, Atlanta seemed to be in, and I still think there's a good chance Bryant lands in Atlanta. Um, they were offering oh, Austin Riley and a couple of prospects, pitching prospects, if I remember right. Um, but whether that's who Theo wanted or, or whether that's who Atlanta was offering, I, I, I'm not clear. Um, but I, I really think that you know that he's going to wind up going somewhere. Um, the Nationals may be out of it now. Now that they've signed uh, Asubal Cabrera. But I, but you know, the, the Twins were supposed to be very heavy into Josh Donaldson, and now they've taken a step back. So, do the Twins become a player for Chris Bryant? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't looked into the farm system enough to know what they have to offer. Yeah, that plus, I think the Dodgers have the prospect capital to to make a move and kind of a hole at third base. So they've been a team that's rumored in. I just, I, I think you have to get blown away by an offer to trade a guy of that caliber. And from everything I've read, what the Cubs are asking for is not something that'll be met in the off season, but potentially something that'll be met mid season. Yeah. By July, that was another thought. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, you said of that caliber, I read an article by David Kaplan this morning, and I actually had uh, put this in my column this morning. Yes. Yeah, same article. I read it too. Yeah, did you read the quotes? Um, uh, anonymous baseball executives. Yeah, the asking quote, like price Bryant. is a joke. Yeah, I like Bryant, but he's not a top 30 player in baseball, in my opinion. He is mediocre at best as a defender at third base. His swings changed dramatically since 2016, and I question if he is truly 100% healthy. Sure, he has the ability and he's a big, strong man, but his offensive impact is nowhere close to what he looked like when the Cubs won the World Series. I agree with that statement 100%. I think Bryant is terribly overrated, and Theo's asking price, whether or not he wants to hear it, is 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 way off whack. Yeah, I think, but if you are going to try to move him and do your due diligence in that way, you've got to start with the asking price super high, so then what feels like a win for the other team is actually what you're wanting in return. So potentially that's just Theo being a good executive. Well, I agree, but but at what point does does Theo say, well, you know, I'm not going to get Victor Robles and, and these other prospects that I want, you know, but, you know, we want to move Chris Bryant. And, and to me, Anthony, that point's become evidently clear. Yeah. Um, you know, Bryant has, again, we'll assume he's going to lose his, you know, his grievance. Bryant's had, Bryant has two years to free agency. Baez has got three years. But, but yet, early on in the offseason, it was made known that the Cubs' focus this year 
was to sign Bias to a long-term extension. Okay, now if you wanted to keep Chris Bryant, why would you not, uh, you know, uh, make further attempts at signing Bryant, who's only got two years? The Cubs are the Cubs are never going to sign Chris Bryant. You know, I'm sorry, fans. I know that hurts your feelings, especially those of you that love KB. But he's not staying. He may go today. He may go next week, next month, July. You know, over next winter. But he is not going to be a Cub after the day he hits free agency. I promise you that. Yeah, and I think um, it all comes down to you know something similar to the whole Madden situation, where um, as much as his fans or the front office may not like his fit now. There's like endless amount of thanks that you should give him for the contributions he made to the team that did bring a ring to Chicago. You took the words right out of my mouth, and I was gonna—I I was thinking about saying this earlier, um, but I didn't want to jump the gun on you. Chris Bryant, in, in my opinion, falls in the same boat as Joe Madden. He—he he was right for the Cubs at the time. Over the last couple of years, between his concussion, his knees, his shoulder. He's become an injury-plagued player, and, and, you know, the concussion may have gone away, and, and, you know, and a shot of cortisone may make that shoulder feel better. But those knees are going to nag Chris Bryant, you know, and, and that's going to be an ongoing situation. You know, now I, I'm not suggesting for a minute that, that you know, he's only going to play 75 games a year at age 28. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, but I am suggesting that, that KB is going to become a liability, you know, between his injuries, between his – um, you know, his stance on, on the service time manipulation. And, and that has got to drain, you know, at least to some extent on that clubhouse. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Uh, with somebody it, like you, you think of people who are distractions in terms of their off the field actions, like an Addison Russell being draining to the clubhouse. But somebody like this, who's that vocal in terms of, you know, rules and things like that, could also be draining to the clubhouse. That's an interesting point I never really thought of, but um, I say we shut the door on the Bryant talk and move into the offseason moves that we think might happen. I guess I'll start with a Bryant question. Do you think before opening day Bryant gets traded? Um, I think there is better than a, I'm going to say, a 65% chance. I'm not going to say, I, I think 100% of the Cubs want to trade him. I don't think Theo's going to give him away. Whether or not Theo finds what he's willing to settle for remains to be seen. So I'm going to say that that with 65% certainty, he suits up, and I'm going to stand with Atlanta on opening day. Yeah, I think if he goes somewhere, Atlanta's going to be the place, but I think you nailed it in saying that you know Theo's not just going to give him away. He's smarter than that. However, I'm going to say that he's going to be not able to move Bryant just because after reading that article from David Kaplan, it seems like more people think um, there's more issues with Bryant aside from just the, the grievance time thing. Um, so I'm going to say they don't trade him, which would also mean I don't think they're going to trade anybody huge from the core. If anything, the the highest profile of a guy that might get traded would be Kyle Schwarber, but I think they might limit the trades um, this off season, I think, um, I think somebody that you should be trying to move is Jose Quintana. Personally, I think he, you know what you have in him and it's not what you gave up. If that makes sense, they gave up way too much for somebody to perform the way he has. Like you said, he's been solid, but 
giving up Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, the guy should be a stud, and he just hasn't been. He's making about 11 mil a year, and he's a controllable starting pitcher. So that's somebody that a lot of teams would want, and that could potentially get the Cubs under the luxury tax, maybe give them enough money to try to sign Castellanos or something like that. I'm not quite sure. Well, I, I disagree with you again on Katana, and I'll tell you why. With with Cole Hamels gone, the Cubs have an opening, obviously. Um, I would love to see Tyler Chatwood get the opportunity to rejoin the rotation. There was nobody harder on Chatty than I was. Um, you know, after his uh, 2018 season. And, you know, I, I've gotten to become friends with um, Anthony Bass, who used to pitch for the Cubs. And, and when the Cubs hired Hadovy, Anthony told me, he said, you give you uh, Darvish and Tyler Chatwood another chance for 2019, and if they can be straightened around, uh, Anthony Iaposi will, will, will be the guy. Or, I'm sorry, Tommy Hadovy, rather, will be the guy. And uh, I said, okay, you know, I'll, 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 I'll give him that chance. Chadwood came out this year, and he absolutely impressed me. Me too. Now, why Joe, why Joe Madden bastardized him and, and stuck him in the pen and never to be heard from again, I'll never know. You know, but, you know, I get given Alzalea a couple of starts. But in my opinion, Alzalea is nowhere near ready to join the Major League Club. I agree again. You know, then... You know, then it was Alec Mills, you know, and, and Mills is impressive, um, but I don't think that he's as good as Tyler Chatwood is, you know, so I, I'd like to see Chatwood fill, fill Hamill's spot. Okay, now if you move Quintana, you got another hole. You know, Mills, you know, well, you could slip Mills in there, but then who are you going to use for a swingman? Because the Cubs haven't signed that guy yet. You know, and and there's there's no trade for that guy, and there's there's no telling what, if anything, Theo's going to do. You know, this winter. You know, and I and I and I go back to what I said earlier about I, that I think the Cubs can can still compete this year, whether or not they do anything massive. You know, and I got to go through and look, but you're going to have you know a ton more salary coming off over the next couple of years, and, and he may just have to dig in. You know, for the duration, uh, Theo, uh, for the duration of his time with the Cubs, you know, assuming he doesn't renew, which is which is what I'm reading. Right. Um, you know, he may just have to dig in and hold firm and, and see if he can't foster, you know, the young players that he has. You know, but I, but I still think, you know, moving Quintana at this point in time, you know, with the financial crunch and everything else that, you know, that the Cubs are enduring right now is not a good idea. Yeah, I could see that. And I also understand the thought that, you really don't want to open up another hole on this team because you have a few right now and you also have a few that may emerge if you make a couple of the moves that you've been talking about. So I understand that. Um, I think it'd be a good like kind of salary dump move, but I also don't know what you'd get in return for a guy like that. So maybe it's not the best of ideas, um, but I'd say if there's one off-season move that you want the Cubs to make, what would it be? Well, I, I, I'm pretty content, but 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 honestly, the one off season I, the move I'd like to see is for them to trade Chris Bryant. You know, I, I I'm more interested this year in in what the Cubs need to lose. And, and you mentioned with Quintana getting under the trade uh, the uh, I'm sorry, not the trade deadline, the uh, the salary uh, deadline or salary border. You know, Chris Bryant's due to make eighteen and a half million this year. Quintana's due to make eleven and a half million. You know, there's there's an extra seven million dollars. You know, and, and like I said, I don't think Chris Bryant's going to stay with the Cubs. You know, I I think it's time you move him, take that eighteen and a half million, 
pursue somebody like Nicholas Castellanos, and they better hurry because I just read before he called that uh, the Rangers had, quote, a very good meeting with Castellanos and are now the front runners to sign him. Um, I think you can afford to lose KB and settle for Castellanos, who, you know, and they make so much out of, out of his defense. Um, and, and, you know, if you look, Castellanos used to be a third baseman. The, the vast majority of his errors were committed while he played third base. Once they moved him to the outfield, he's as sound as anybody out there. You know, he was he was almost error-free with the Cubs. He may have been error-free with the Cubs last year. You know, he, Castellanos is not a bad outfielder. And, he, and, and for my money, he's a lot better hitter than Chris Bryant is. You know, if the Cubs pursue him, if they well, they're going to have to get going to have to get rid of Bryant before they can pursue him at all. In earnest, they they have a deal in principle uh, with Castellanos. I don't know if that's still on the table or not. Um, but Major League uh, uh, Baseball trade rumors had suggested that Castellanos was going to sign for somewhere uh, I want to say between sixteen and eighteen million for four to five years. I think the Cubs, you know, could could easily do if they get rid of Bryant easily do 17 to 18 million a year for five years that's going to put Castellanos that I want to say age 33 yeah if I'm not mistaken um <clears throat> you know they're they're going to be out from under the issue uh issues with Chris Bryant um they can they can fill that hole up third with Baez Bodie um Austin Riley if he goes to Atlanta um, a number of options, and, and I don't think they're going to be any worse for wear. You know, in the meantime, you gain Castellanos' bat, and, and more importantly, in my opinion, his attitude, yeah. um, which which far outshines Chris Bryant's attitude. You know, and that's what the Cubs need. They need the hunger again. And you're going to get that from guys like Nico Horner, uh, Nicholas Castellanos, uh, Wilson Contreras, you know, I, I think the Cubs need to shed some of the, you know, some of the the Debbie Downers, for lack of a better word, you know, and, and focus on building that team with guys that want to win. Yeah, I agree. I think um, the use of the money would be really good with Castellanos, especially because how good the fit is, not only on the team in the lineup, but also in the clubhouse, plus the city loves him. Um, that'd definitely be something I want to see. There's another move I really want. I want the Cubs to trade for Whit Merrifield. I don't know what that would take. Um, you know, if if you're going to sign Castellanos, maybe it would take moving Schwarber because the Cubs have said they don't really want to do a Schwarber-Hayward con- or a Castellanos outfield. But I want Whit Merrifield because I like what he brings offensively. Plus, he could play second base or center field. Um, he could just solve the leadoff hitter question that has been plaguing the Cubs since Dexter Fowler left. He steals bases. He gets on base at an elite clip. So setting the table for then would, would be, you know, Castellanos, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras. That's something I'd like to see. Well, trading for Merrifield, uh, from everything I know, the Royals want as much or more for what than the Cubs want for Bryant. Um, there's been rumors for the last two years that the Cubs were going to trade for Whit Merrifield. And, and I got, you know, all about it last year, you know, only to say, no, nope, they're not going to trade them. You know, and then it started again this year. And, you know, it, what do you think about a, a Chris? I've not, are the, uh, oh, shoot, are, uh, are they looking for a third baseman over there? Um, I'm not positive, but I also don't think, 
I don't think they have enough. Well, I mean, I guess if you did like a Bryant for Merrifield, but I'm not sure if, if that's even something that's been discussed. Um, but I, I don't think you would try to pay like a Bryant level deal to the Royals for Merrifield because, um, like you said, what the Cubs are asking for for Bryant has been said to be like obscene and a joke. So if that's something similar yeah, the same, that the, the Royals are asking, so I don't yeah, know about the, the that. Royals same thing about their price for Merrifield obscene you know so I, I don't I don't see the Cubs getting Merrifield with or without you know sending Chris Bryant to Kansas City um I'd like to see somebody like that who I'd really like to have seen him trade for was Francisco Lindor yeah that would have been, been interesting an excellent too. addition yeah and before we wrap up here on the Cubs Corner podcast we're going to do a little um rapid fire segment of questions so Ken, you'll give your answers first. I'll give mine second. We'll start. Who will be the Cubs' opening day second baseman? I'm going to go with Nico Horner. I, I think I'm going to agree there, unless they make a move, but we're talking about the roster right now. I'm going to go Nico Horner as well. Who will be their opening day center fielder? Opening day center fielder. Well, I'm going to pray that they can re-sign Castellanos, so I'm going to stick Jason Hayward out there. Same answer for Hayward, me. If then I'd have to go with Hap. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Same thing for me. Who do you think will be the leadoff hitter? That is a good a good question. Um, I don't think Horner is strong enough to be a leadoff hitter, although I think with his um, his attitude and his demeanor, I don't think he's that he's unwilling to accept the challenge. Um, beyond that, I, I don't I really don't know who would be best in that spot at this point. Yeah, honestly, unless they make a move um... – I think what will happen is I think Ian Happ will impress in spring training and kind of win the job. I don't know if he'd keep it, but I'll put my money on Ian Happ. I think I, I'd agree with that if, if, if Horner doesn't work out. Um, team MVP for the 2020 season? <sighs> Javi. Yeah, I, I was going to go Javi, but since you did, I'll change it up. I'll go Contreras. I'll bank on him staying healthy. Um, team yeah, Cy Young. You know, if Javi comes back healthy, I mean, how many? He had, you know, his broken thumb. I mean, right. you, can't, you can't necessarily avoid things like that. But I wrote just the other day, you know, very seldom last year did you hear anybody, you know, Len Casper or Jim DeSantis refer to El Mago. There was something about Javi last year where he just didn't have that magic, you know, and, and I'm not sure why. Um, but I think, you know, Javi has a bounce back here this year, and I think he's the Cubs MVP. All right. I, I'm going with Contreras for um, – otherwise I would pick Javi. I think all you said might happen. But Contreras because, you know, I think hearing all the trade rumors has got to bug him, and he's going to want that extension to stay in Chicago, so he's going to really show up this year. How about Team Cy Young? You, Darvish. I'm going to go Kyle Hendricks, but I like you, Darvish, as well. And finally, team breakout candidate. Nico Horner. I like Horner. I think I'm going to go with Hap as well. I don't think you can call what he did last year a complete breakout because it only happened off the bench in the back half of the season. But if he performs that way for a full season, I think you could say that was a breakout. Let me fire one question back at you. Do you think Nico Horner has the ability to win Rookie of the Year this year? Um, I, I do, but I don't know how long he'll stay in the conversation because he doesn't have the same type of hype as some of the other guys that are going to be rookies this year. Um, 
but I do think he he's more polished. You know, he's not going to make the same amount of mistakes. Um, I don't know if he, he'll definitely be the Cubs rookie of the year, and I think he'll be somebody that uh, the Cubs are glad that they brought up to the major leagues and skipped AAA. I think they'd be a fool to send him to Iowa. I agree, and I'll end this podcast with this question as it stands right now. Where do you think the Cubs will finish in 2020? Second place, and I wrote the other day that I believe under David Ross, with the roster they have, they can finish at 92 wins. Okay, that's very optimistic. I was going to say somewhere in the the 87, 88 range, um, and I think that'll also be good enough for second place. Um, in the Central, I think Cardinals win it, Cubs second, Reds third, Brewers fourth, and Pirates fifth. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see what the Reds do this year because they have gone berserk. Yeah, they've made a ton of moves. It'll be interesting to see how the Reds look in 2020, as it will be interesting to see how the Cubs look in 2020. But for now, that'll do it for this episode of the Cubs Corner. Thanks to Ken for joining us, and thank you all for Thanks, listening. Um, this episode, future episodes, and past episodes are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and of course, the Cubs HQ website. You can check out my articles and Ken's articles there. But for now, thank you for coming to the Cubs Corner.